which veteran forward not named Martin Ferg has been crucial to the Ontario Reign's success on the power play this year. Plus, with the young team heading into playoffs, what is the mood like in the room? And what's the goaltending situation going to be for the Reign, who have basically a whole lot of goalies available to them? We're going to look at all of that today with Jared Schaffron from the Ontario Reign on this episode of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, you're listening to Locked on Los Angeles Kings, a podcast about your favorite hockey team and mine, the Los Angeles Kings. My name is Sarah Avampato, host of this show. I've been uh, your Locked on Kings host since the very beginning, covering this team since around 2016. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited for uh, playing meaningful games at this time of the year and especially like, you know, a couple weeks from now. Uh, Also, Big fan, big, big excitement for the Ontario Reign, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today on this show. Thank you for listening to Locked on Kings today and all week long. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day or your first listen when you just happen to open your podcast app of choice right now. The show is, of course, free and available on all podcast platforms uh, as well as on the YouTube, so you can find us there. Uh, If you heard earlier in the week, well, if you didn't hear earlier in the week and you missed it, uh, go back and check it out for part one of my conversation with Jared Schaffron from the Ontario Reign. He is on the broadcast. He is on the Twitters. He is uh, writing articles about the Kings for Kings, or about the reign for Kings Insider, uh, and basically is your man for all things Ontario Reign. Uh, we talked with him earlier in the week, talked a little bit about the reign season so far, about the power play, about some important players. And a thing that I always like looking at is like the impact of players who have gone back and forth between the AHL and the NHL, sort of the impact that they have uh, going back to the to the AHL, uh, what's that like welcoming a player back and what's that mean kind of going forward? We talked about that earlier in the week. Uh, today, we are going to finish out the conversation with Jared uh, and we're going to look at great topics, including uh, learning a little bit about how the playoffs are working this year and how the team is kind of feeling heading into uh, the last stretch of the season. We're going to talk about goaltending. There is a little t- tidbit nugget of uh, breaking breaking news in in the conversation about goaltending in there so make sure you check that out uh, and we're going to talk about uh basically who's who's who in Ontario and with so many guys up with the Kings uh, who's going to be needing to stepping needing to be stepping up for the rain uh in the meantime and uh, we're going to close with t- talking about team captain Brett Sutter who just celebrated a big milestone in his professional hockey career but we're going to start things out right now If you heard the last episode, you'll know that we left off talking about the power play uh, and particularly what makes the power play so successful other than just, you know, Martin for shooting 100 plus mile an hour pucks at goalies. And one of the players that Jared brought up at the end of the conversation was TJ Tynan, who has been really crucial on the power play, especially when it comes to distributing the puck uh, to teammates and really helping make an impact that way. So we're going to pick up the conversation right now with a little bit more talk about TJ Tynan here on Locked On Los Angeles Kings. You know, being based in Chicago, I've covered TJ Tynan when he played for the Wolves for a couple of seasons and so got to see up close firsthand 
exactly how much of a difference maker he was on that team and how much he was looked up to as a leader, uh, especially as you mentioned, a guy who's won a Calder Cup, uh, who knows what it takes to get the whole way across the finish line. And I, whenever whenever the Kings uh, signed him, you know, to to be able to put him on the reign, I was like, this is such an underrated, sneaky good deal. And I think unless you pay attention to the AHL, a lot of people didn't really, you know, he's not on people's radar uh, as NHL fans. And I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. Like he he is going to be amazing for that team. And so it's been great to see uh, just how much he's contributed. And like you said. He, he he manages to get the puck to his teammates in ways that you don't see very often. Uh, just so smart with it. I think the thing about TJ Tynan, and I, I've said this throughout the season, uh, you know, obviously on the ice, his skill level is basically unmatched at the AHL level, which is why you see how many points that he has. But I think the off the ice has almost been just as important with him because he expects a high standard for all of his teammates. Like when you come to the rink, if you don't have your best day, you're going to hear about it from TJ. Like (laughs) if you're on his line and you're not playing up to his expectations, he's going to tell you about it. He's going to be like, man, Mm -hmm. this is unacceptable. You need to be better. You need to be prepared. If you come and you don't have a good day, whether it's practice or a game, again, he's not trying to insult you, but he brings that motivation level that he brings and and just the professionalism that he shows on a day-to-day basis makes everyone else better. You can't come, even if you're not on his line, if you can't, if, if you come to the rink and you're unprepared, whether it's for a practice or a game, that's unacceptable for mm-hmm. TJ. And and that's just having that that standard set every day from the beginning of training camp was I think a huge impact on a lot of these young players um, who maybe going through their first year of pro or their second year of pro, or maybe the only year they had was, was during the pandemic last year. And it was kind of a mess and you didn't know what you were even going to get when you showed up every day, because things were constantly changing. You know, they've tried to have more of a normal type season this year. Hasn't always felt that way, but they've tried to make it more and more like a normal year. And I think TJ has been, incredibly important just at setting that standard of how you need to prepare to show up every day and be ready to go whether it's warming up hydrating eating the right food like all those things you know he's going to give you a little glare you're going to get the stink eye if you're doing something that tj doesn't like and it just makes you think about being at your best every day well this is uh it's looking at the rain and looking at this playoff push, uh, you know, they're currently second the, in the second in the Pacific, like we said, chasing down Stockton uh, playoffs are basically all but inevitable at this point. And uh, you know, we do have guys in the room who have gone the whole way. So Garrett Sparks, Martin Furk, uh, TJ Tynan, obviously this is a new experience for so many of these players on the team uh, who have had great careers in juniors or in college, but uh the last time the rain had a real playoff run was 2017, 18, uh, where they lost to Texas. Uh, there was that one play in game in the bubble tournament, but last year, like you said, was just kind of a mess and no one really knew uh, what to expect. Brett Sutter was on that team uh, that lost in the first round in 2017, 18. Jared Anderson Dolan played a couple of games that year as well after his junior season left. But other than that, it is an entirely new team. A lot of young players, uh, a lot of guys in their first or second year as pros. Uh, what's the mood like on the team as they get closer 
to, to clinching a playoff appearance and getting the first real taste of postseason for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think for them, they're not even thinking about it. I, <laughs> I think they know that obviously the playoffs is coming and they know they want to be playing at their best when the playoffs comes. But I think they're really just trying to focus on on Stockton. Uh, I think the, the rivalry with Stockton has been budding. Uh, there's been a lot of games this year that have been one goal games. They've been really close with Stockton. And I think the team has done a really good job of just taking it more week by week. I wouldn't say day by day. I know that's a, a very cliche, but maybe more like week by week of who do we got this week? What do we got going on? What do we need to do to, to win this week? And once the team clinches, which is probably going to happen in the next week or so, um, you know, you can start making more references to playoffs. But but even then, I think, you know, when you look at the way that the playoffs are structured this year, having the bye is so beneficial. Um, you know, thinking about being able to skip a best of three series, not only from a rest perspective, but, you know, this division, even though in the standings, there are teams that have separated themselves. Really, when you get to a best of three series, anything can happen. The first round is best of three, and everyone is in that two through seven. If you're not the first seed, you could get knocked out. Your playoffs mm-hmm. can only last two games. So I think to, to start looking ahead is, is really tough. I, I think, you know, the most important thing is trying to get that by because you get to rest and you get to avoid a best of three series. The, the next series is best of five which is still kind of short but you know it's a long grind in the playoffs the new format uh if if people aren't familiar with the ahl calder cup playoffs you've got the first round which is a best of three series which in most other divisions the top couple teams get a buy out of that but because the pacific division is allowing seven teams out of nine to make it whereas most Every other division has either five or six teams that make it. The Pacific division has to basically have a full other round of playoffs instead of just having playing games. So you've got your first round, which is going to be six out of the seven teams. Then you've got a second round, which is the division semifinals, which is best of five. Then you've got your best of five division finals just to see who can make it out of your division. That's three rounds to get out of your division instead of what most leagues are as two. Uh, and then you got your conference finals and Calder Cup finals that are best of seven. So there's it, there, the series are shorter in the beginning, but that just makes it more unpredictable. So if you start thinking, yeah, we're we're a second place team, well, you know what? San Diego is a team that's in seventh, but they just beat the rain this past week. You've got Bakersfield who beat the rain pretty convincingly a few weeks ago. Uh, you've got Abbotsford who's kind of had the rain number a little bit. They're a fifth seed, like. You can't think past some of these other teams who have a lot of talent. So I think the the mood around the guys is just trying to stay in the moment. They know there's still a lot of games remaining right now as we record this. There's still 17 games left. As we get into the, you know, five, six games left, I think we're going to see more of a focus trying to shift towards the playoffs. And, you know, maybe if, if it doesn't seem like, that you know their spot is going to be determined i think they really want that number one spot but it's probably going to be coming down to 
the last couple games of the season for the number one and two spots to be decided. So I think that's good. I think it's always good to have something to play for. And, you know, I think when you, when you get closer to the playoffs, there's going to be a little bit more of a talk about that. But right now I, I really don't think the guys are, are that focused on it because again, their, their number one goal right now is, is looking at their day in front of them and what they have to do this day and this week. And then their next goal is to try to get called up. I, I think, you know, there's so much opportunity with the Kings right now. There, there's so many roster spots in flux with all these injured players. If you're a guy on the rain who hasn't had a call up or, you know, you believe you can get called up, you're looking to try to work your hardest this week so you can get an opportunity to play in the NHL. I, I'm not sure yet you're looking at the Calder Cup playoffs just yet. All right, we've got more with Jared coming up right after this. But before that, let's talk about Bet Online because it is a super exciting time of year if you're a sports person and especially a basketball person. That's right, college basketball's big tournament is finally upon us. So whether it is the latest odds, contests, player props, whatever it is, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it isn't just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today, BetOnline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and the action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. You are, of course, listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making today's show your first listen of the day. Uh, when you're done here, there are, of course, many choices for you. But what you should do when you're done here is go to your calendar and go put in a little reminder. Because on Monday, March 21st at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, you can tune into Locked On Fantasy Hockey, the live deadline reaction show. You'll get all of the on-ice fantasy and betting analysis that you need from hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone with appearances from our roster of local team experts. So the trade deadline is going to end. We're going to have all sorts of moves to talk about, and you can hear all about it on Locked on Fantasy Hockey. So make sure you go check that out. Now let's uh, continue the conversation with Jared and take a little bit of a look at goaltending for the Ontario Reign. I want to get to a couple of listener questions, but before we do that, one other question about you know the rain as a whole, uh, particularly looking at goaltending this year. Um, you know, obviously the Kings brought in Garrett Sparks over the offseason to kind of play that number three role, uh, but his uh, injury keeping him out of the lineup has opened up more time for Matt Valalta to be uh, the number one of the team, and has opened up time for uh, some other goalies to sort of rotate through uh, that backup position. I know we've seen Jacob Ingham. Lucas Preak all have gotten games, uh, and most recently, John Lethemon's been uh, the call-up, uh, getting some time with the rain. Uh, anything you can share on sort of the goalie rotation? Uh, any plans to get Ingham and Parikh back there? Uh, just sort of what's what's the picture look like for goaltending for the rain? Yeah, I think it's been, you know, just like everything else, it's it's unpredictable. It's a long season. You, you want that depth because you don't know what's going to happen. And you know, yeah, at the outset, it was a, a pretty even split between Garrett Sparks and Matt Valalta. Um, but Sparks went down with an injury uh, in, in early January. So it's been two months, two, two plus months since Sparks has been back. He is skating. He is getting closer to returning. But 
you're not really sure what you're going to get. Honestly, he's been, he's been gone for so long. He really, you know, has to get back in a rhythm and, I don't know if he's going to be able to find that because Matt Alta has taken the reins and, and become the true number one goaltender for this team. So I, I think the players trust Villalta. I think he has been a, the kind of a guy who wants to be in the net. He wants as many games as he can. He's, he's not looking to take a day off. If, if the rain have three games in a week, he would like to play all three of them. Now I, I think the team is, doesn't want to burn him out, but uh, he has totally become the team's number one goaltender. And, you know, again, if Garrett Sparks is needed, if he is healthy and needed down the stretch, it's great to have him because he has a ton of experience. As you mentioned, he won a Calder Cup. Uh, he's definitely one of those leaders in the room who has a strong voice, who can who can help and who can win games. So you can turn to him. But I think right now it's, it's Matt Malalta's net. Uh, as far as, you know, if there's necessary uh, a third option, if Sparks remains out and he's unable to return, I love what the rain have done They're They're making it just like everything else. You got to earn your playing time. You know, you have two young goalies in Lucas Parikh and Jacob Ingham who were given opportunities to play and they were okay. Uh, they kept the rain in games. They won, they won some games, but I don't think they were consistently playing at the level they needed to be and that the rain expected. So they said, you know what? No problem. Well, you guys need more time in the ECHL. So they sent both of them down. And, you know, John Letheman is a, a little bit older. He, he played four years at Michigan State, turned pro last season. So a young pro, but overall a few years older than both Ingham and Parikh. And he's been more consistent. He's been more stable. So right now he's getting the opportunities when, when Volalta needs a, needs a day to, to rest. Or if we have back-to-back -back games, you know, they're going to consider – Letheman for that for that job but if Letheman falters at all then it'll you know maybe be another opportunity for Ingham and Parikh I, I think yes for the Kings sake you know you want to develop some of those younger goaltenders you want to have the 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 higher end prospects I don't know that Ingham you know he's a, I mean uh, sorry I don't know that Letheman is really a Kings prospect he's on an AHL deal right now he wasn't a draft pick of the organization so you know, maybe not as important uh, to to develop him, but if he's playing the best, you need to to win games. You need to develop the rest of your lineup as well. So I think it's been great to see. And, um, you know, it's really Ingham had a shutout in his last game for Greenville. So right now I would say, you know, maybe he's the next the next opportunity because he's showing that he can play down there. But, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, it might end up that all three of them are back down in the ECHL for a little bit because Garrett Sparks is getting closer and potentially, you know, able to, to resume play soon. Well, having too many goalies is definitely a good problem to have. And I think one, the Kings have learned from past experiences that uh, way better to have more than you need because pretty soon you're going to need, uh, need all of them at one point or another. I wanted to move on to just a couple of listener questions uh, that uh, folks sent in once they heard we were going to be talking about the rain. And the first one is uh, looking just sort of generally uh, at the players this year. Anyone whose performances has surprised you the most? Ooh, um, that's tough. I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of great things that this team has done this year. Um, I think, you know, seeing uh, the obvious answer is, is Sean Dursey, right? Like, being able to hold his own in the NHL for this amount of time is, is pretty amazing for him. Uh, that's, I think it surprised me, not that he was able to, to get a call up, but that he's been 
so consistent and dependable. Uh, you know, he's out there in all situations. He, he's a guy that, you know, at the end of the game, Kings need a goal. It's it's him and Drew Doughty that have been on the ice. So, uh, you know, that's kind of an old story a little bit, but I, I think that he has been incredible. And and I think to go back to the goaltending, I think Matt Volta. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of Kings fans, if you'd ask them what they thought of Matt Volta, I don't know that they would have been able to tell you that he was going to win 20 plus games and he was going to be totally taking over as the number one goalie. And not only that, you know, the team has been number one in offense. So he's clearly getting some, some support from, you know, as far as goals per game, they're, they're the number one team in the league, but Volta, you know, his numbers are pretty good. He's 2.74 goals against average right now. His save percentage is at 91%. It's not like, he doesn't have good numbers and the team's just scoring their way out of trouble. They actually allow a ton of opportunities. The <laughs> rain are getting out shot in most every game that they're playing. And they are, even though their record has been great, they're finding ways to win, which is amazing, but I don't think they've been as dominant, especially in the last month. I don't think they've been as dominant as they may have been earlier on. They're just finding ways they're, they just, they're a little bit gritty. They know how to win. But Matt Valalta has seen his fair share of shots. He's faced almost a thousand shots this season. He, the rain, like I said, they're being outshot in most games. It's not like the Kings, who usually outshot outshoot their opponent. The rain have have been on the other side, and and Valalta's had to come up huge in a lot of different situations. So I think for him to like like I said, take the reins, be that number one guy, and have his teammates trust him so much. Um, you know, I wasn't here previously, but it, it sounded like he was struggling a little bit in that area. And it wasn't the case where he was the true number one and, and the guys were, were trusting him in all those situations, but that's really been, been the case. He, he's really taken the net and, you know, on nights when he's not in the net, it's the team is not as confident in front of whoever else has, has been playing. And that's not a knock on, on anybody. It, it's just how good Matt Volalta has been. I think, everyone is more comfortable when he's in net and you're going to see him in net, I think more and more down the stretch. Getting to talk to Matt Valalta after uh, one of the recent games, I think was really, really showed a lot about him as a player and just how, you know, how seriously he takes the game. And, you know, when he talked about, you know, I need to be more doubted in, I need to be more focused. And, you know, you can, you have seen that play, you've seen that pay off in his game over the past couple of seasons, uh, watching him grow as a professional um, I think, yeah, he's definitely someone who, for me, watching the rain is probably one of my most improved players of just seeing him so cool and confident in net and knowing that this team is, you know, ready, ready for whatever comes at them and that they trust him back there. So that's that's definitely been a really good one uh, to, to keep an eye on with him there. I know that, you know, I didn't mention this this person. I don't know that surprise is necessarily my emotion, but Jordan Spence, I mean, mm -hmm. he he's in line potentially was in line to be the AHL's rookie of the year. Now, I don't know if, if there's guys that are out long-term, he might be, but he's playing 20 plus minutes a night in the NHL uh -huh. the last couple of games. Uh, and for me, again, I don't know that it's surprised, but just impressed at how quickly he has learned the ropes and gotten better and been more comfortable in pro hockey. You know, the first couple of games he's playing, he's playing limited minutes. He's not playing a big role. Uh, first month or two of the season, uh, you know, definitely a more offensive gifted player who the team looked at for, for some offense, but 
you know, he's gotten to the point where he's a leader on, on the offensive end. And I've been more just impressed with, with how quickly he's come along and, you know, acclimated himself to the program, uh, you know, being that he, it's not that he's, you know, he's not the biggest guy out there. He's, he's definitely a little bit undersized. Uh, he's not a huge name prospect that people were, were pining over. I think, you know, people saw that he won defenseman of the year in, in, in the Quebec major junior league. So they knew that, okay, well, you know, he's, he's had some pretty, uh, some pretty good years leading up to his first pro season, but to turn pro uh, and, and really, when you look at that draft class, he's one of the first players to, to turn pro and, and really look okay at, at the, uh, at the NHL level. So um, great for him. He's an amazing kid. And, um, just, just hope he keeps getting better. Obviously there's things he's working on right now. He's, he's had his eyes opened up, uh, but you know, last night he, he's playing pretty big minutes against the Florida Panthers, one of the best teams in the NHL and, uh, you know, pl playing some, some really important roles in a win. So that was uh, really cool to see and just more impressive than anything. Yeah. Especially as a young defenseman, I feel like no one has big, big plans for them until they've been around for a couple of years. So I've loved seeing him uh, just jump right up uh, into the NHL. And so with so many players getting that chance to jump into the NHL uh, and with these injuries, maybe staying up there for a while, that of course is going to open up a lot of opportunities for players to get bigger roles on the rain who maybe we haven't seen as much of uh, so far this year. So who do we need to see more from uh, during this next stretch of games as the rain deals with potentially a depleted lineup? I think the, the biggest is going to be some guys Kings are familiar with, but Austin Wagner, to me, is someone who's going to have an opportunity. He, uh, you know, did a lot of things in the game against San Diego. He's been kind of a fourth-line guy for most of the season for the rain, but he's going to be more of a third-line, maybe even work his way into the top six now that some of the other players, you know, even in the lineup against San Diego, which is the last lineup we have to refer back to, Ferk, Velarde were in the lineup there. So you take those guys out and – you know, to me, Austin Wagner is going to have to do a lot more uh, and spend more time on the ice. And I think he's up to it. He's healthy. He is obviously an extremely talented skater. And if he continues to forecheck the way that he can, um, he's going to be able to fill some some of that. I think clearly Akil Thomas is going to have to step up as well. Um, you know, it's definitely been a tough go for him this season with one injury that took him a long time to get back from in the off-season shoulder surgery. And then once he got back, he takes a block shot, hurts his foot. So that was just such poor timing for him. And I think timing is what's taken the longest for him to get back. But his skill level is there. And he's a second-round pick. And the rain need him to start producing offensively. He has not scored a goal yet. It hasn't been a problem. But he's going to need to be, again, one of those guys that steps in to the top six. And then right now, Samuel Fugimo is still with the rain. You know, he's obviously a guy that, that would be considered for a call, but he had one. But as long as he's with the rain, he's got to keep shooting the puck. He's got an incredibly good shot. Uh, he's been really all around the puck, and, and he plays in all different situations. He's learned the penalty kill this year, and he's become a really important part of the penalty kill, which has done better as of late they've had their off nights but um definitely certainly is, is going in the right direction so up front you know Fagimo, wagner thomas those are three guys that are going to be hugely important uh moving forward for ontario with with all the call-ups and then on the back end 
whoever's left. I mean, they just got to band <laughs> together. It's, it's not easy uh, with, you know, having all these guys called up. The only players uh, who are around at the beginning of the year that are left right now are uh, Cameron Gauntz, Helgi Granz, and Marcus Phillips. So uh, there's definitely a need for everybody con to contribute back then. Clearly, those three guys are going to get the most ice time, and they're going to have to be able to handle it. Helgi Granz is, is still a work in progress. He is uh, 19 years old. Uh, he's obviously a high-level prospect for the Kings. They, they love what they see out of him, but you know, transitioning to pro hockey has been, has been tough. And, you know, he's 19. So, um, you know, any player that would be a tough transition. So I think he's still got some kinks to work out, but um, he's going to see a lot of minutes. And, and, you know, the other night in San Diego, he, he made a mistake. And I said on the broadcast, yeah, you know, it, it's upsetting for rain fans who want to see the team win that he made a mistake, but you know, those are the kind of mistakes that you have to, you have to make to learn from. Mm -hmm. And for Kings fans who want to see Helgi Granz maybe as a, as a long-term solution in the NHL, he's going to have to, to work through those things at the AHL level. And what better time than to do it when you're, you know, way ahead in the standings and you're going to have to give him, he's not used to playing that, that many minutes, but he's going to be on the top pairing for the mm -hmm. foreseeable future. So He's going to get out the, all the time he needs to develop at, at a really good level. So, uh, between and he's got a great mentor in, in Cameron Gauntz, who just was mentoring Jordan Spence to uh, to get up to the NHL. Uh, I do want to mention while I'm talking about the back end that Christian Casestool has been really good for the Rain this year. Uh, a guy who you know is on a PTO. He's not even on a full time AHL contract, but he's been a mainstay in the lineup over the last couple months. He's earned his way up here from the ECHL, and uh, he's in his first North American pro season as well. He's played pro hockey for a while, and whether it be in Norway or Sweden, but you know he's never played in North America, and he's got a, a good physical edge to his game. He's kind of a fun player to watch. He blocks shots. If if you're coming to a rain game and and you're looking for a defender that you might not have seen or you might want to watch, Christian Casestool is a guy who kind of does a little bit of everything and, and has some good energy. He's he's fun to root for. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing him get some more ice time as well. He's even uh, moonlighted as a forward. So a yeah. uh, very versatile player there. <laughs> um, I wanted to close with one other question from a listener. It's a fun one. So uh, I figure it's a great note to end on. Uh, and that is about Brett Sutter. Uh, Captain of the Rain just celebrated his 1000th pro game uh, and just had a really neat ceremony uh, honoring his achievement, uh, as well as being a pretty quality Twitter follow if you're looking for some dirt on uh, any of the rain players who get called up to the Kings, I've uh, been pretty entertaining. Uh, anything you can share about uh, Brett Sutter and that celebration uh, honoring his 1000th game as a pro. He's just so classy. Um, you know, he just, nothing really phases him. He's just been around for so long that I, I think it phased him. Obviously he was emotional, but he, it, it just, he was just, I don't know, just seeing him over the last couple of months and, and getting to know him, obviously, again, kind of a weird role for me, you know, coming in, uh, didn't know Brett at all. And, you know, now becoming pretty close with him because there's just so many things that he's involved with. And then being being able to be involved in the ceremony and, and everything that went on with the ceremony, it was such a lengthy preparation for us to, to do everything as an AHL staff. You know, it's not the same as you see a, a Drew Doughty 1,000th game 
ceremony, you know, that's a little bit different when you've got an NHL staff to execute that. And I think the, you know, the big thing with, with Brett is just, he doesn't get phased. He is so grateful, so appreciative. And the amount of people from every corner that wanted to thank him, be a part of it, send him well wishes. You know, we reached out to probably, I would say 15 to 20 individuals to, hey, do you guys want to say something? Do you want to record a message for for Brett? You know, and, and you're not sure what you're going to hear back from people. And not only did everyone say yes, they all recorded a video. They all had great things to say. We couldn't even fit them all into the ceremony. <laughs> we we The ceremony, you watch it, you know, there was a few people that were in, that were part of it that were big in his life. But on social media, we had a couple extra ones. But I was just sending video text messages to Brett of people that recorded videos that wanted to be part of it that there was no way we were going to be able to to make that fit into everything we were doing. But it was just nice that the organization was able to do that for him. He's done so much for so many other people, whether it's players, coaches, fans, things in the community. But it was cool to be a part of, you know, like I said, there's probably a good five to ten people that recorded videos for Brett that I just sent them to Brett. They, they didn't even get seen by anybody else. They ended up not being public. But, um, you know, guys like Matt Molson were so excited to make videos and different people that have been been around the game for a long time were really excited about it. So it, it was pretty cool. Even Zach Boychuk made one from from Germany. He's with Eister uh, Baron Berlin. So it was uh, it was fun to to get to do that and to be able to honor Brett. And there were so many people that that were you know part of that. Oh, such a great, a great tribute to a guy who's been uh, here, here for all of the ups and downs with this team. Uh, thank you so much, Jared, for jumping on the show and for spending some time with me to talk about the rain. Um, I've really enjoyed this, and I hope that our listeners come away learning a thing or two about the rain uh, that they didn't already know. Uh, for people who want to keep up with all things rain related, uh, where can they find you and uh, you know everything that you do for the team out there online? Sure. Um, well, first, you want to be following all the all the rain accounts on, on social media. My account is uh, at Shaf Rain, which is S A H S H A F Rain, uh, and then we're also uh, you know constantly publishing stories on LA Kings Insider. So uh, the LA Kings Insider website, uh, if you go there and click Rain, that's uh, basically my feed. So I've got a lot of things on there a lot of things in the works hopefully you know like you said hopefully a good playoff run and some more memories because it's already been a a really memorable season it's been fun to to watch these guys and hopefully they have some more uh, up their sleeves and in store for us over the next couple months well thank you so much and i can't wait to uh, hopefully make it back out to ontario for that rain playoff run and get to see it uh, happen right in front of my eyes jared thank you so much for joining the show and uh, we'll have to have you back again once playoff time comes around Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Appreciate all the coverage.